Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're welcoming Isabel Banos onto the podcast, who's a Montreal-based producer, songwriter, and a founding member of alternative pop band Caveboy. And she's here today to talk about her musical journey, Netflix, and all things music production. Um, so welcome along, Isabel. How are you today? Hey, I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. I am here at home in Montreal, Canada. Oh, wonderful. And how's it there at the moment? It's actually quite nice. We're finally getting some spring weather. Um, we had a really long, very cold winter, so very excited to see the sun out today. And yeah, very much looking forward to summer coming up soon. I think we mirror those feelings here in the UK. I know our winters aren't as brutal, I know that, but we do have a relentless grey. That's the only way I can say it. Yeah, I feel like that is just as bad in its own way, so I feel you. <laughs> okay, cool. And um, apart from talking to me, what are you up to today or what projects are you working on at the moment? Well, I've got kind of a fun balance of working with clients, working with artists on their singles, and also working on new material with my own band, Caveboy. So I'm, yeah, in a really kind of sweet spot right now where I get this lovely balance of, you know, doing the production work, the engineering work, but also doing the personally creative work with my own project. So I'm loving that right now. Oh, brilliant. And do you like that mix of different things to dip into? Yes, I am someone who gets pretty bored pretty quickly. I love the fact that I can work on something different every day. Um, work on different kind of styles every day with different artists every day on different songs every day. And I'm lucky enough to be able to make my own schedule and have the flexibility there. So all of that together just makes for this kind of lovely lifestyle, this amazing quality of life for me where I am continually challenged and excited by different work every day. Mm. And if we take it back a little bit, let's go to, let's say, your childhood or when you were a teenager, what kind of music were you into? Were you sort of surrounded by music in a musical family, whether that's they played an instrument or just played music a lot? What were you listening to when you grew up? Yeah. Oh, I'm about to name drop some real guilty pleasures here. But... Okay, go for it. I'm listening. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't have the most musical family, to be honest. I'm definitely kind of the weirdo of the family, which is a badge I proudly wear. Um, but um, my dad was kind of, you know, the classic hippie stoner of the 70s. So he introduced me to some great music, just kind of blasting it in the household of, uh, yeah, so like Pink Floyd and The Doors and just you name it, all of those kinds of really great bands of that generation that was just blasting in my house all the time. So that was kind of my introduction to, to bands and music and that and that side of things. And he also had this old, dusty classical guitar just like sitting in the basement. And I just kind of, you know, was probably bored one day as like a 10 year old or something and just kind of happened upon it and just picked it up and played around with it super incorrectly, <laughs> just strumming and making non-chords and just kind of having really like a really fun time with it and wanting to figure out how to play it properly and wanting to get better at it. And I would just kind of, yeah, just sit at home alone and just with this old classical guitar, kind of figure out how to manipulate the notes to make melodies and, you know, figure out where to put my fingers to make 
chords that sounded like music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it kind of just took off from there. You know, my dad was really supportive and put me into guitar lessons. And I eventually in my teen years met other folks who were, who were also interested in playing music and wanted to play in a band. So we formed a band and that eventually turned into my band now, Cave Boy. So it kind of started all from there. And what I was listening to, <laughs> let's see, <laughs> it was the early 2000s. So there was, there was quite the mix of all kinds of very interesting sounds going on. Um, but I'd say kind of a game changer for me whether it's because I'm in Canada or not, was Avril Lavigne. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. So when that song and that video came out for Complicated and, you know, she was hanging out with the boys and riding skateboards and kind of singing this rock-ish type pop song, it really got me excited. And I felt, you know, more represented. And it was just a really exciting moment. And I kid you not, the next day I went to school wearing a tie and the wristbands and the thick eyeliner that was applied incorrectly yeah. for a 14 year old. And uh, yeah, I, I dove deep and then, yeah, just kind of continued in, t- in that like kind of pop rock, pop punk um, style of just like getting really into Green Day and some 41 and that turned into indie rock, like the strokes and the hives and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. I love that. And I'm absolutely there with you on Avril Lavigne. We went to school <laughs> with a dark eyeliner on. I have long straight hair anyway. So that was just quite a, a natural, like lucky for me. And my friend would wear a tie, you know, with a, not a shirt. And I would wear a tie as a belt sometimes to it a little bit further. Look, it looked yes. really good. I think it's from a charity yes. shop as well. So it's uh, definitely a look. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, I feel so understood. Thank you. <laughs> but she's still growing strong. I'm, I follow her on Instagram. She's selling out arena tours still. And even yeah. though she doesn't look it, she's about 37 years old. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's so awesome to see. It's, it's very, very cool. Even to see like as an adult now, like she, she has the, she had the dream, she had the dream trajectory mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always be a fan. Like she really got me started and really wanting to take it seriously. So mm. so let's talk about Cave Boy then. I'm not sure if Avril would have been an inspiration, but formed um, with Mint and uh, Lana. So um, did you meet at school? How did you all meet and form a band then? Um, this would, would have been after high school. So we here in um, Quebec in Canada, we have this little kind of like in-between schooling between high school and university called CGEP, uh, C-E-G-E-P. And it's a kind of really great opportunity to just try out what you might like to pursue in life. It's like $100 a semester. It's really great. Um, So I met Lana, our drummer, there. I had never really connected with anyone before then of like anyone who wanted to play music or start a band. And then that first day of CGEP, that first day of school, I just like saw this, this girl with drumsticks poking out of her backpack and I was like okay I see you (laughs) please be my friend (laughs) was she wearing a tie (laughs) oh you know what she she skipped the the Avril stage as as did Mint I was the only I was the only Avril fan (laughs) but um luckily they both introduced me to even cooler music and all kinds of 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 really great stuff um so yeah so I started playing with music uh sorry I started playing music with Lana and literally jamming in her garage. And um, our first gig was, (laughs) 
her sister's bat mitzvah. <laughs> Ooh, rock and roll. Very rock and roll. And yeah, we got a taste for, we got a taste for performing. We got the bug and we're like, let's do this for real. And eventually Mint joined the band as well. And the trio, the three of us, it kind of just really clicked. We had so much fun together. You know, we were working on covers. We started making original music and we were all just really on the same page and wanted the same things and like equally wanted to make this a career and to really want to pursue it in the sense that, you know, to be an artist these days, you have to, you got to hustle. So it was really, really rewarding to find my people, to find my community of other people who are so interested and obsessed and passionate as I was. Absolutely. And what about your style? Did you have a type of music that you always wanted to make? Like we're going to be a band that makes this kind of music or was it maybe a natural kind of um, evolution of your different styles? Yeah, I think that's something that's really fun for us is that we do have a lot, like we do love a lot of the same artists, a lot of the same genres, but then each of us individually has our own preferences and our own favorite bands and our own favorite artists. So we're all bringing kind of different tastes to the table while still living in the same world of sound, which is super fun. So we're always going to have this kind of nostalgic sound because we we all grew up with our dads blasting that 70s, 80s music in the house. So we all have that influence no matter what. So there's always going to be that nostalgic quality, which we're so proud of. But we do love so many modern artists as well. Um, St. Vincent, we all love St. Vincent. We all are fans of Haim. Um, just these awesome, empowering women who are doing their thing and just being incredible at it, um, as well as really poppy stuff. Again, in the nostalgic era, like the Cindy Lauper, the Eurythmics, the, the everything back then, uh, with, with newer stuff like, yeah, we love Dua Lipa. <laughs> so it's really fun to, to kind of mix all of our, our favorite um, artists together and our individual favorites too. Um, yeah, we try our best to, to fit it all <laughs> into our little box. So, okay, yeah. okay. And so um, what do you each bring to the band? Obviously, I know um, you're not all playing the same instruments, of course, or singing necessarily, but do you all write the songs? And if so, you know, how does that work? Do you all do it together? Do you go away separately? Or do you have um, a jam session or something? Yeah, um, we all write equally, which is really, really fun. And again, such an amazing opportunity to get different tastes and different flavors into the songwriting process. Um, you know, I've tried to write songs on my own for years. And, you know, I think they're good, but they're never as great as when the three of us get together and I'm getting ideas from Lana on drums that I would have never thought of. And I'm getting ideas from Mint with vocals and lyrics that I would have never even dreamed of. And I'm offering, you know, ideas to the table that they would have never thought of. So it's a really, really kind of magical, magical experience when we get together where we can, it's, it's been so long at this point, it's been like 10 years that we've been together that we do kind of just, we know what we want. We know what we're going for. We're finishing each other's sentences. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really, really great. Um, yeah, it's, we're, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling extra emotional about it because, you know, we haven't been able to be a band for like two years. So I'm just, 
if if we were on a video call right now, you would see like my <laughs> my beaming eyes. my beaming smile and my just like nerdy passion of how much I love being in this band. No, oh, I love it. I can hear it in your voice. Um, do you have any uh, live yeah. shows coming up then? Um, yes, we're getting back on stage for the first time since the release of our album in January 2020. Um, we've got so uh, a local show here in Canada. Um, it's a summer festival, um, in a little cottage town called Muskoka, uh, which will be really, really fun for our first show to be on a summer festival stage. Um, and then we've got a showcase represented by, um, women in music, Canada and key change, Mm -hmm. uh, which will actually be happening in London. Oh, Fantastic. Are you in town? Are you going to be there? Well, I don't know. I'll have to check my diary. You'll have to remind me. I'm sending you the invite. You should. Please send it to me. Yeah, I'm nearby. Absolutely. What you said, so your new, your most recent album, so did you say that was two years ago? So obviously you haven't had a chance to perform it yet. Exactly. So we spent years and years and oodles of cash on our debut record, Night in the Park, Kiss in the Dark, which we were so, so proud of. We are still so proud of it. And we're fortunate enough to play a sold out show in Toronto and a sold out show in our hometown of Montreal to release the record in uh, February of 2020. And then, you know, and that that happened. (laughs) So we have not had the chance to tour this record at all. Um, And it's wild to think that now, according to the industry, that record is old news and we never got to. Mm celebrate it to perform it to you know to share it so it's been tough it's been a bit of a grieving process but we are excited to be working on new material and to start performing again which we're definitely definitely going to be playing songs from that record so old or not we're gonna we're gonna keep it living for sure well think of it as you know your fans have had two years to learn all the lyrics to sing really really loud by the time they can see yes I love that. I love that. (laughs) Have you got a particular song from the new slash old, if it is a record that you're particularly looking forward to, you know, showing in front of a live crowd? Um, I, oh, I love the whole record. It's they're all of my babies. That's a mean question. (laughs) So cool. Um, I, I think I'm most excited and most proud of, a song called Hide Your Love. It did really well here in Canada. It reached number one on the Canadian charts here on the CBC. And it's one that I was probably most involved in in, on the production side of things. Um, So I have like this big pride attached to it as well. Like I, it was very like acknowledging for the final version of the song to Mm. have used so many of my original ideas and my sounds and things like that. It was, it's very cool. So, and it's also a very fun, fun song to perform as well. Um, I mostly played on the bass, but a little bit on the keys as well. So it's a nice kind of fun mix. Okay. Well, let's hope everyone's singing along very loudly by the time you can actually get to perform. eh? (laughs) Hell yeah. What about, um, you must've had some really early songs that probably never saw the light of day. What were they like when you were sort of finding your way? And can you remember any of them? Oh my goodness. I mean, in in Cave Boy or on my own? (laughs) Oh, either. I was thinking of Cave Boy though. 
Um, yeah, in in Cave Boy, it's funny because we spent so much time building our live show instead of recording our songs. Like we very much went the touring route first. Um, wanted to just make the best live performance that we could to be memorable and to stand out and to just have fun with it that for so many years we had no recorded material. So there are so many songs <laughs> that never made it to, to see the light of the day, even recorded at all. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Some of them, I feel like they were very much on like the experimental side, but still kind of under the pop umbrella, but definitely very much like, wacky synth patches and layers and building up to these kind of chaotic moments of arpeggiators and wacky drum beats and really diving deep into like that 70s influence of getting a little psychedelic with still some kind of pop vocal melodies um so yeah I don't know now you've got me interested like should we be revisiting some of these (laughs) just check them out and see what you think when you look back yeah (laughs) Um, I saw as also your song um, for it. You'll know this, obviously, for anyone listening. So, Color War was featured in um, an episode of Orange Is the New Black. So that is so cool. Obviously, it's a massive, massive show. So, when did you hear that they wanted to use it, and how did they come across it? How does that work? Yeah. Um, well, we are uh, we have a publishing deal with a fantastic publisher called Third Side Music, and I think we had just signed with them, and we were playing a kind of conference style showcase festival uh, here in Montreal called Pop Montreal. And at the time we were, yeah, really big fans of the show. It had just come out and we were all equally obsessed with it and loved it so much that we decided to cover the intro song and add it to our set. So we did that. We performed this showcase at this event uh, with the cover and it was a big hit. It was super fun. And we found out later that the music supervisor of the show was in the audience. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- yeah. Our, our publishing company worked with the show and worked with that music supervisor and the music. Uh, so they got in touch and they were like, Hey, we'd love to get a recording, a recorded version of that intro to be used in the show. Um, and at the time, we had didn't have a lot of experience with recording, so we kind of just did it ourselves and did like the best possible the best possible demo that we could. And I think they ended up changing plans, but they still ended up being fans of ours. So they just went into our catalog of music and grabbed Color War, which was from um, yeah, I don't even think it made it to our first EP. It was just like in our publisher's catalog, mm-hmm. and they just grabbed it and used it um, in a scene. And it was just amazing. It was like our first major sync in a huge TV show. It was so, so exciting. We got fans from it. We got, you know, new connections from it. It was just an amazing experience. And we're so thankful for for the support of that amazing music supervisor. Well, of course. And then what kind of scene was it used in? What was happening? It was actually a, a kind of fun use because I believe someone was just getting out of prison and joined their friend in the car and it was playing on the radio <laughs> in the car. 
and they drove off into the sunset. It's great. You know what? That's so funny that you say that. I haven't seen, I'm very sorry, one episode of this program. It's on my list of like the one I'm going to watch after this one, after this one. But now I'm on Better Call Saul and I need to see what happens. So I have to be after Better Call Saul. But um, I, when I was listening to Colour War, I was thinking of something like that. It felt like a road trip kind of huh? Thing. that's what I was thinking of honestly it's like something bit uplifting because I know yeah I know the gist of the show I know it's kind of heavy going and um dealing with quite grim subjects a lot of the time but obviously I don't know because I haven't seen it but I didn't think that when I listened to this song I was thinking of the car and the happy moments isn't that strange yeah I mean geez you should go into music supervision oh maybe I should okay you, me up with skills. <laughs> you got too many skills <laughs> pointless psychic music skills come on they must be good for something I don't know what I'd pay for that come on awesome um so what about um something like summer so this was used in the trailer for the new romantic and in that really big Netflix miniseries again one that I haven't seen on my list made my brother watches though he was raving about it so I know it's really good because it's definitely not the kind of show he would watch he likes Bob Mm -hmm. Dylan and things Mm. about the Beatles and digging into their archives but here he is watching made as a 31 year old man so I know it's good so what what was it about this track that appealed to both of these different um you know this film and then this series what was it that they heard in it or liked about it oh my goodness I mean I do not have the psychic music abilities that you do I am so (laughs) clueless about you know why certain music supervisors choose certain songs but man are they good at their jobs um this is probably that song, something like summer is probably our most synced song um, to the point where like our publisher will even often ask us like in, in like new projects, like, Hey, yeah, like make us another song, like something, yeah. something like summer. So there is something about it. It's like something about the tempo of it with like the driving octaving bass and the drum beat with the snare on the one like it's all very it's evolved it's all very early cave boy in the sense that we were always trying to like lean a little bit outside the box and do different things and I yeah I I can't quite put my finger on why this song is used so much but it's certainly our our happiest and most bright song we definitely write in a minor key more often than not. Okay, got you. <laughs> yeah, so this is definitely our, our our brightest kind of most joyful song, and I think uh, I think music publishers and music supervisors are often on the hunt for those because um, yeah, it's it's so helpful to be able to sell that emotion on screen. I was watching Made, big big fan of the show, like instantly hooked me. And I really, really loved the the music that the show used. I loved all the songs and every scene, the bands, the artists. Like I was really drawn into the music that they used to the point where like, I was, I was like a little jealous. <laughs> I was like a little sad that our, like none of our music was able to make it into the show. I was super, super bummed. I was like, oh man, this would have been such a great sync placement. This would have been such a great show to be part of. And I kid you not, the next scene or sorry, the next episode that I watched, sure enough, the scene pops up with something like summer and I had a heart attack. Well, you had no idea. I had completely forgot. (laughs) No way. We had gotten the, the sync request like six months earlier. And I don't know if I was like busy when I was reading the email or like, I don't know what happened. 
it was the pandemic. My brain was half working, but I, for some reason, I didn't clock that that was the show. And I'm just naturally watching the show just as a fan. And this scene pops up and I, I listen to the background music. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know this song. <laughs> I made this song. <laughs> and I'm freaking out. Like I'm positive. Like no one here to experience this with me. <laughs> it just felt like this out of body experience. It was so, so bizarre. And I texted the band and I was just like, oh my gosh, the silliest thing just happened to me. And they were basically pointing and laughing at me over the phone. It was pretty embarrassing and pretty hilarious and very fun all at the same time. <laughs> I can imagine. And is that one, is something like Summer, one that you produced as well? Um, yeah, that was that was kind of co-produced. We created the, the demo ourselves for sure. And a lot of those sounds ended up in the final version as well. Um, so yeah, we, we had a big hand in that one um together as a band for sure that was very early days okay are you handling a lot of the production on your own now then or is it a song by song basis sorry my dog was shaking at the same time oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little background sort of picture of the dog and I said are you um producing most of the stuff on your own now or is it on a song by song basis you know if you're collaborating with that um uh, with with cave boy or with other artists uh with cave boy Oh, with Cave Boy, yes. Um, so yeah, with Cave Boy, it's again a pretty equal experience. Um, we all contribute uh, as equally as possible, but it's gotten to the point where well, I was kind of always the member of the band who was most interested in that side of things. Um, you know, would like invest in the gear for myself, just like had a personal interest, um, and was just yeah, always really intrigued and passionate about taking that control into our own hands, into my own hands. Um, so yeah, uh, over the years, I was always the one who was like, hey, yeah, let's record this idea. And I would just bring the laptop and bring up Logic and just kind of at least get our demos going. Um, but where we're at now, I've got you know a studio space where I'm all equipped other than for drums. Um, so we're able to really get a lot done over there together to the point where with this new record, we're going to try to take it as far as possible on our own to potentially be credited as self-produced and then potentially um, get some outside ears on it um, from a mixer, from a mixer and a mastering engineer. So that's really exciting for, for me and for the band as well to really take that control into our, old, our own hands and, and produce this new record ourselves. Yeah, I'll bet. And I'd love to hear a bit more about your production journey because I saw on your Instagram, I think, so you did a, a songwriting camp as a top liner about five years ago or something, which you liked, but you realised while you were there you wanted to be a producer. So I'd love to hear about um, why that was and when you realised that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, kind of like I said, I'd always, I was always kind of interested. I was, I was always interested in making music and making songs and... I, like I said, I didn't connect with people super early that also wanted to do that. And I was always just kind of independent and self-driven in all areas of my life. So I'm kind of the type that just, if I've got something on my mind, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to take care of it. So that's kind of how it happened. I started out like when I was 18 and got my first laptop and it came with GarageBand. So I started to kind of experiment with that and thought it was super fun to just like, you know, put loops together and record my voice and record guitar and just kind of make these 
these kind of song ideas myself from scratch. I, uh, I was, I was pretty shy. I didn't have a ton of confidence, like going into music stores. I was very intimidated. It was very, it was a very male space. Um, a lot of kind of older, older guys. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel super safe asking questions. And it just, it wasn't really working out. So I just went on the internet, (laughs) just Googled all of my questions, YouTube for hours and would just make mistakes, learn from them, figure out how to do it properly, and just kind of slowly progressed and took the steps to get better and better at it and more savvy about it um, to the point where I wanted to try to um, charge for the work that I was able to do. So I started to join like freelance gig websites, like mm-hmm. Upwork or People Per Hour, and would just kind of type in the search bar like music song like any any job posting that had anything to do with music or songwriting or lyrics or anything I would just try to grab onto it and um charge like basically nothing I was just getting started again didn't have the confidence and was just using it as an experience to try to get into the professional side of it And, you know, throughout the years, it was kind of always the side hustle um, uh, next to Caveboy. Caveboy was always like the number one project and any kind of production or songwriting or um, engineering that I was doing on the side was very much like side hustle just to pay the help pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And I was working on gigs that I wasn't super passionate about. It was like a lot of kids music and corporate jingles and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with that type of work, of course, but it wasn't really something I was super passionate about. So it was very much just a job. Um, And then the pandemic happened (laughs) and I was like, okay, can't really be in a band right now. (laughs) What else can I do? (laughs) And kind of that realization with kind of coinciding with this wonderful program offered by Music Publishers Canada called Women in the Studio, which is an accelerator program to get more um, marginalized genders into the technical aspect of music making. Um, I was enrolled into that, which is a year-long program of workshops and mentorship and networking and all kinds of amazing stuff. So that paired together with my kind of newfound um, drive to take production and engineering to the next level and to become like as much of a proper professional as I really could allowed me to kind of skyrocket over the past couple of years to the point where it's no longer necessarily a side hustle. It's really a balance between being an artist and being a producer engineer, um, which is really, really exciting. And I'm really, really proud of it. I put a lot of work and time into it and it's really exciting to see the results that I can truly live off of music, which is super rare for so many people. So I don't take it lightly. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> I can imagine. I, and it sounds so rewarding. I mean, to, to yeah. actually hear someone say, I can make, you know, a full-time living off mm-hmm. of doing music, doing what you love. Like you said earlier, you've got a nice life balance. Um, yeah. it, it sounds phenomenal really. And you were, so the among the top eight emerging female producers in Canada to be welcomed into that 
program, weren't you? So um, that is amazing on its own. Yes. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to also be amongst a group of such incredibly talented people in the country. And that to the point where like, we're, we're lifelong colleagues now. Like we can always lean on each other and call each other up. If ever we have a question or we need something or we want to collaborate, it's, it's just such a big country <laughs> with not a lot of people. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very cool to, to be able to build that countrywide community, um, especially amongst women and uh, marginalized genders in, uh, in an in- industry that is so male dominated. It's, it's even cooler. So I, yeah, I feel super, super grateful to have been a part of it. Yeah. And it's really important the work they're doing to give opportunities yes. to basically not people that identify as male, because like you said, it is very male dominated mm-hmm. and it's anything that helps tip that balance is very much welcomed. Um, I'm sure yes. even from the male's perspective, because yeah. there should be, there's no reason why, um, being a producer or an engineer should be a job more for a man. It's just weird that that's where people's minds go to. So I love mm-hmm. that there are these kind of programs. And what kind of feedback did you get or, um, you know, just from the other people that were involved in this program? Did, were they coming up against similar, um, I don't even know, issues or barriers? Or were there any common themes that sort of came up that when you spoke, you all had a similar experience? Um, yeah, I, I got the impression that yes, like it was all happening remotely over zoom, but we were able Mm. to kind of connect on, on a lot of issues of just, you know, not being taken seriously. Um, you know, not necessarily knowing how much to charge for your work, like getting a, needing to get a better understanding of like our value and just all this stuff that comes along with, being in such a male dominated industry. Um, so it was really, really great to be able to connect on those, on that side of things as well, of just having these allies, also male allies, like you said, mm. um, of just people that you know you can go to who will be able to sympathize and understand your experience and offer you some support. Um, so so yes, I, w- I, would, I would say that all of the participants certainly experienced similar things I definitely don't want to speak for them but we definitely did connect on on a few things as well and I I mean not to derail the question but being part of this new program key change um, is that times a million because it's 75 participants from like 13 countries of all uh, women and gender minorities mm-hmm. in the music industry, both artists and producers and PR and and you name it, everyone across the board. And we've been able to to meet a couple times, and it really does feel like this huge breath of fresh air where we're all able to finally connect and be seen and be heard. And for someone to just say something and someone else to be like, yeah, I know what you mean. I've been there too. Mm. And after being so isolated for the past couple of years, it's so, such an incredible feeling to have that complete opposite experience of just feeling such deep community Mm. and welcoming and family. And it's, it's really, really exciting. I'm so so proud and so excited to be part of the key change group of 2022 yeah I can tell and I, um, that sounds like a fabulous 
um, program to be a part of. And uh, uh, sort of leading on from that, I must ask you about Shea Ballsy. So <laughs> this is amazing. So you opened your own studio called Shea Ballsy. Um, I love the name, by the way. So it's for created by and for women and gender minorities. So uh, the reasons for creating such a thing obviously speak for themselves. But what was it that inspired you to do this and to give opportunities to women and gender minorities? Yeah, I think that being part of the Women in the Studio program was a huge part of that. Being part of Cave Boy was a huge part of that. Just my experience as a woman in the music industry for over 10 years was a huge factor in that. Um, of course, I've had so many positive experiences, but I've had a ton of, unfortunately, negative experiences. And I'm sure a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of women can relate to that. And I've just always been passionate about kind of doing whatever I can to help people in any way that I can along the way. Um, and I've always been really interested in teaching and educating and sharing knowledge. And <laughs> Bruce, please, I'm trying to <laughs> talk about something very important to me. Not your dog again, not having any of it, is she? <laughs> Gosh, what a jerk. Um, <laughs> Let's go on. It, go, that, it serves me right for having windows in my apartment. That's good. Oh, no, you, you're allowed windows. That, you know, that's fine. I think we should keep it in. I love the dog interrupting. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Classic, classic man interrupting. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's a male dog. I thought you said Bruce. <laughs> oh, Bruce. Bruce. Oh, strong name. Love that. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry about that. Um, yes. So... I studied to become a, a high school teacher in university and I didn't end up pursuing it. The, tr the traditional classroom wasn't necessarily where I saw myself, but I have continued to do all that I can um, in kind of educating and skill sharing and sharing knowledge in music. So yeah, I, I've had so much fun along my kind of journey of learning about uh, recording and producing music um, and you know, seeing firsthand how male dominated it is and how few women there are, I wanted to do my part to try to help change that and to try to help move it into a higher percentage than just two or 3%. So I love, I love answering questions. I always make it clear to anyone that I work with, like, please ask me questions. I love nerding out and geeking out about this stuff. And if I don't have the answer, I will look it up for you because I love <laughs> researching <laughs> things as well. I will put in the, the hours that you don't feel like doing. Don't worry. Please ask me questions. So I kind of have always done that on an informal level. And then I've started to participate in more um, workshops that are put on by various um, kind of organizations that are interested in the same movement, um, giving workshops on recording and producing and using certain software and things like that. Um, and I'd also, I'm also going to start doing my own workshops hosted by myself and other fantastic facilitators in my studio space here in Montreal. Um, now that kind of in-person things are becoming a little bit more um, normal and often. So that's really, really exciting. So this space was always going to be kind of focused on that of creating a space that was very welcoming and inviting and as safe as I could possibly make it for anybody who needed that space to be creative in, to, to be vulnerable in, to be silly and weird in, uh, just anyone who kind of needs to get away and just 
have a space to create without having to worry about how someone's going to talk to them or hit on them or <laughs> dumb them down or mm. you name it. Um, I, I'm really, really excited for how things are going so far. Anyone who's walked in there so far has said out loud how happy they are to be there and how wonderful the space is. And even if, even if it's just a small, humble space at this point, I hope to expand it one day. But for now, it's, it's you know, crossing off all my goals. And I, again, feel so, so proud and so grateful to be able to, to do this every day. Mm. Well, I'm just glad there's people like you that are willing to sort of put yourself out there and do that to welcome these people in. It's a really nice thing that you're doing and um, an important thing as well. So I can only imagine how rewarding it must be. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, I love that you love nerding out, as you said. So I think we should get into the the studio tech. Um, so I know Ooh. that you're a big Focusrite user. So you've got, let me get this right, you've got an ISA 1, a Claret 8 Pre, and the brand new Claret plus Octo Pre. So um, let's start with, um, what did you have first? Was it the ISA 1? or And how long have you been using Focusrite gear? I've been using Focusrite gear forever. I think the Scarlet was my first interface okay. um, years and years ago, and I used it for years. It's it's so solid, does everything you need it to, and it was always such a positive experience. Caveboy also used it on stage. We used the Scarlet on stage for years. Um, cool. Again, always such a positive experience. It's always been a huge fan of Focusrite. Um, and most recently, this is actually quite recent, I got the ISA... 110 and the Claret Plus 8 Pre together, which was super fun. Fantastic. (laughs) That came in the mail. I was like, ooh, (laughs) I I felt very fancy all of a sudden. It was, it's really great. Um, So over the past uh, few months, I've been able to properly integrate them into my workflow and it has been so fun. I'm truly just running everything through that ISA. Like it, it's so great. I wish it had 20 inputs. (laughs) Um, It's so fantastic. So easy and seamless to use. It's very much just like a plug-in and sounds great situation. Um, I love being able to switch impedances and I will never claim to fully understand how electricity works. (laughs) (laughs) Probably wise. But but those switches for the, the impedance on the ISA 110 are just so easy to use. It's from low to high and you just can hear that signal get a little bit more like sexy heat. It just, (laughs) it just brightens up those higher frequencies a little bit, brings out a little bit more sauce, a little bit more clarity. And it's just a little subtlety that's so exciting when like even on a dry recording, it's very, very fun. Good. And what about the, oh, sorry, sorry, go go on. on. No, no, you're good. I was just going to ask uh, the Claret Plus 8 Pre that you mentioned. So I'm hoping this one's got enough um, inputs and outputs for you. It's got, let me see, 18 (laughs) in, 20 out. Is that enough? (laughs) Yes, it is certainly. So yeah, because I'm not able to accommodate drums at this point, but even if I was, I feel like I could make it work. But um, for the synths that I have, the mics that I have for kind of the things that I'm working on, it's absolutely perfect. And what's super fun about it is that air function. There's a, just like a a click. It's an air button click. It's fantastic. And just with that button, it's recreating the ISA 
kind of 110 sound. So I really have the best of both worlds. I can have that kind of extra heat, that extra clarity on every one of those channels, which is such a luxury. So to be able to plug my synths into there and to just get like a little extra bit of something, something is really, really amazing. And uh, it's hard for me to not turn on the air function. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've got it. Yeah. Why would exactly. you not have it? Exactly. <laughs> and so you must have been one of the first people to get this, the Claret Plus Octopre. That's the brand new one, isn't it? Yeah, so unfortunately, I haven't received it yet. Oh, you haven't received it yet? No, oh, sorry, so I, I can't you properly chat about it, but it's on the way. It's on the way. Okay, um, maybe we can follow up another time about that, because I'd love to hear sure. about that. I thought that seemed a bit soon. Um, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, okay, then. Well, that's wonderful. I was going to ask you for more questions about that, but I'm guessing you can't see the future, so <laughs> I, won't, I won't ask you to do that. I can probably tell you it's awesome, but <laughs> just in case I won't. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, okay, cool. So, well, I'm glad that the, uh, the focus site stuff that you do have is making such a difference to you um, already. Yeah. That's absolutely wonderful. It sounds really integral to your workflow. So that's brilliant. Um, what about, um, what have you got coming up the rest of the year? You know, music wise, band wise, or just anything else you might be working on? Yeah, I am working on a few, I'm working with a handful of artists right now, putting out their, their first singles, their first records, which is always so exciting for me because after being in the industry for as long as I have, I'm already guilty of being a little bit jaded sometimes and a little bit grumpy. <laughs> so it's really, really rewarding to be working with these new younger artists that are experiencing the industry for the first time and are just so excited and it's reminding me that this is such an amazing, fun job that I get to do. I want to enjoy every second of it. And it's kind of reinvigorating that, that love for the gig. So I'm really, really enjoying that. And those projects are kind of all over the map, all mainly under the pop umbrella. But um, it's very fun to be experimenting with kind of different kind of side genres under the pop umbrella some more electro some more soul some more disco so I'm really enjoying that um working on new cave boy stuff as I mentioned so you can look out for some new singles coming out hopefully later this year if all goes well okay. um and we'll be performing um getting on the road again which is so so exciting I'm so excited to get back on stage and yeah, a huge part of my year will be um, as a key change participant, as I mentioned. Uh, so meeting up with the whole cohort in London next month, um, going to be attending way out west in Sweden and meeting up in Reeperbahn in Germany. Okay. And as well as some local festivals here in Canada, like Mutech and Breakout West. So going to be a super super fun year of leaving my house and getting out there meeting people just yeah getting back into the music scene I am just like vibrating with excitement over here no it's, it, I can feel it from here and it's great and it's weird when you put it in perspective of no one's really seen anyone for years 
especially not in large groups so I'm really happy for you that you're excited to be out there and work on your music and doing your new caveboy music and some performances so it sounds like you've got a fantastic year ahead so that is great thank you so excited okay great I think that is a lovely positive note to end on Yay, um, so we did it we did it so thank you dog interruptions and all we got through it but thank you so much for, <laughs> for joining us on the podcast today it's been such a pleasure to talk to you oh this has been so lovely thank you so much alice and bruce says sorry and thank you and um have an amazing rest of your day and i hope to see you in london and i hope we'll hang out in real life one day wouldn't that be something yeah let me know and um you and bruce are welcome back on the podcast anytime <laughs> thanks so much (laughs) all right thank you so much have a great day thanks bye bye headliner radio supporting the creative community